TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Welcome back. It's Hardline with Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy here on News Radio 930 WBEM. Well, COVID-19, it's still here. It's still very real. And as we learned Friday morning, the president is at Walter Reed Medical Institute with COVID-19. And joining us this segment is Dr. David Pierce. He is the chief medical officer for Buffalo General Medical Center and the Gates Vascular Institute. Dr. Pierce, good morning. Hi, how are you today? I'm doing well. Uh, first off, we heard about the president, and, and we've seen now the contact tracing of how far back this went. You know, I, I think it's still a lot of people don't realize when COVID is the most contagious. Right. And, you know, it, I think there's going to be a, a significant amount of just political fallout with the president, and a lot, obviously a lot more attention. Uh, focused on on what's happening with him right now, but the, you know, the but for all intent and purpose, the the highest the highest time of infectivity, so the most likely you are to be in contact with someone and get an infection is when the viral load is at its highest. So um, it's usually probably about you know about you know, seven days into the infection. Um, you know, as you start to, you know, as you start to develop the viral copies, they double and then eventually you get to a point where you have a significant number of copies, which is at that point when you're more infectious. So when you're looking at tracers and they're looking back, it's not as simple as trying to figure out uh, the proximity of when the test was positive and you say the, just the last couple of days, um, in fact, it becomes more complicated because you often have to look back even further to when symptoms started. I think the question with the president and in the news and, and a lot of speculation of when did he actually become symptomatic compared to when he actually got the test. So that's what they're struggling through right now to figure how far back to trace. Now, Dr. Pierce, obviously, I'll start this question off by saying, if you think you've been in contact with someone, go get tested. Uh, but say, you know, the president, because a lot of people are pointing to him, um, him being close proximity of Hope Hicks. And so say someone was in contact with someone that had COVID and the next day is now out. Is that person contagious the very next day? I think people just want to understand how contagious this is. Like I said, everyone should go get a test. Uh, but to pinpoint, you say seven days. So what about the day after coming in contact with COVID? If you, the day after coming in contact with someone with COVID, if you were to be tested, it's very unlikely um, that you would test positive. Um, uh, it, it's actually, you, you have to, like I was saying, you have to actually, and the other part of it is that not everyone's infected the same way. Um, you know, the viral load really is important. Um, you know, they talk a, a little bit about infections in terms of, uh, you know, one part of it is, is, is 
how easy it is to contract something. So COVID is actually very infectious. So if you come in contact with it, it's very easy to catch. The other part of it is how how virulent or how actually, you know, how strong is the virus. So, um, and it affects people different ways. So someone that has a fairly significant uh, dose of the virus and a lot of copies is going to be far more infectious um, than someone who isn't. It has something you might call a smoldering infection. So, um, it, so it's going to take. So, not every. And the answer to that, I guess, the short answer is not every person is going to have it in the same amount of time. But you want. To, usually, we say that you know, within about five to seven days, you want to get tested after you've had a potential exposure. Dr. Pierce, we're learning so much about this virus. It seems uh, almost every day there's some new information. I had never heard what, what you described about the importance of the viral load. So I think that's such a, a key thing to, uh, to understand. One of the things we do hear a lot about from uh, almost day one is the fact that there are certain risk factors. And now that the president's been diagnosed with uh, coronavirus, we hear a lot about his age, 74, uh, the fact that he's considered obese by uh, the standards of, you know, the BMI, and also um, that he's a male. So why does gender play a role in this? You know, it's, uh, it's actually very interesting, and I, and I don't know if I have a good answer for it. And I, I guess I'd, I'll, if you just if you bear with me, I'll walk you through a little bit of uh, uh, the answer, getting to the answer I think that will be helpful. Is that when... When we first started our journey on COVID, and we had, um, you know, we were looking at uh, several months ago, and I'll, New York City is a good example. When it hit New York City, at that time, you know, we really didn't know much about the virus. We heard things coming out of out of Europe, out of China. The, the, the information we weren't sure was very accurate. So when we looked at it in 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 March of this year, and you know, we saw. The number of people that were infected, the mortality rate, and, it, and for all intent and purpose, when it started, we had, you know, if you got the virus, there was a pretty good chance that uh, you, you were going to have some serious complications and poor outcomes. You fast forward to now, is that you know, now we've started, we've had enough time in walking through this, and it, in March, if you looked at what was happening there and you said, all right, let's plug all the data in, all of the people, the types of people that are infected, and we march that out, and if it continues at this rate, we're going to easily overwhelm every, every resource, every hospital, everything that we have up until, you know, by the time you get to where we are now. And what we've seen is we've just seen month over month different variations of the disease, and what's happened is we, if we, have, we have more time with it, we're also starting to see some, you know, some trends and some things that you know, elderly people, males, demographic differences, race differences. In terms of you know, when you're looking at a lot of the a lot of the data, we've had more time with it now. But what we're also seeing is that compared to, and I'll go back to April of this year. In April of this year, Buffalo General had 80 people admitted with COVID. We had over 25 people, uh, 25 people on ventilators in the ICU, and you fast forward to now, where we're now seeing a, the infection rate, the number of positives in the community increasing. But as of last week, I think it was about Thursday, we had nine people in Buffalo General, three people in an ICU, and zero people on ventilators. So, what I 
think we're all seeing and trying to walk through right now is that we're, the virus we're seeing today seems to be acting somewhat differently than the virus we saw in March. Um, so it, it's, it's actually very easy to deal with something when, it, when it's the same virus or the same disease and it affects everyone the exact same way every time. Then you can pull out differences very easily around gender, and you could say that, yes, this is the type of virus that always affects males that are obese, that are, you know, that are over the age of 65, much more than women. So it's a trend that's come out over time as we're looking at the numbers and trying to catch up with what's been happening. Having said that, it doesn't mean that this will be, you know, this will be written in stone in terms of this virus always affects males more than everyone else. Now, that's kind of a long answer, you kind of go walking through it, but, but we are seeing some of that data. Um, but I don't know if anyone has a, like, a very good answer for that right now. Um, but we'll have to walk through it a little bit longer to see, you know, see where we end up. Oh, I think it's very important information, Doctor. And, and I think it also reflects how difficult it is to get a handle on this because it is, you know, such a, they call it the novel coronavirus for a reason, I imagine. So do you feel like you're every day learning something new about the virus? Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, I mean, from a professional standpoint, it's been, I may never have another opportunity. We may never have an opportunity as a medical community to, to experience something like this, but the amount of change, the amount of education, the, the sheer amount of technology and resources that have been dumped into trying to solve the problem has been unprecedented. And, you know, you, so the answer to that is every day I learn something new, and, and it feels like as soon as you nail something down and you have the target, the target moves. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's, that has been the challenge uh, as we've been, you know, so every day is a, you can't take it for granted that you understand it very well. And to be honest with you, there's diseases where, there's the diseases in medicine that we've known about for 50 years or longer that, that still, still puzzle us. So when you talk about something on this scale and, you know, and how it's affected society, it, we are literally not even a year into trying to deal with this. So it's, it's historians are going to look back on this. We'll learn a lot. And every day we just have to come to the, come to the table and say, you know, especially this community, Kaleida Health, we're, at, we're a learning organization and every day we show up and we learn and we try to react the best that we can from what, what we're, you know, what we're presented every day. Sure, it certainly makes our work life interesting, I'm sure. And doctor, I, I did want to ask your opinion on masks. Uh, it's obviously become very politicized, but Dr. Robert Redfield said that in some ways it's more effective than a vaccine at this point. And obviously there's been a lot of controversy about the president not wearing it and now wearing one. Uh, what's your view on masks? Wear a mask, 100%. That's... <laughs> Can't get much more definitive than that, right? You know, I, I think there's, I, you can go back and forth with it, but when you talk about, you know, vaccines, vaccines are going to take a while. And there's a lot of things that are in, involved with the vaccine in terms of getting it to market, testing it, you know, the, effect, the effectiveness. A mask is something you can go to Target today and buy, and it's been shown to be effective. It's, it's recommended from World Health Organization, the CDC. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that you can, that people have thrown out there why you don't need them. In my opinion, I guess that's why I'm on the show right now, 
if you ask me and my colleagues and some people that are far smarter than I am, wear a mask. And I, I guess that's the very simple answer. And there's so many cool masks now. Like I have a Virginia Tech one. I have a Bills one. You know, you can you can have fun with it. Uh, doctor, uh, my kids have a little land. My kids are in. My kids are back to school. My kids have almost like a little lanyard, little clips that go around it. My kids have way cooler masks than I do. <laughs> you know, and all kinds of other things. And you know, and and you know, and it's you know, I think that's been the challenge. Is that you know, it's easy. It's easy to do it with an adult where you can tell them, you know, that and explain the reasons why. With a kid, you have to make it fun. So whether it's Virginia Tech, whether it's, you know, your favorite soccer team, favorite football team, whatever it happens, obviously the favorite football team locally, you have to have the bills on. It's, you, have to, you have to try to engage people at whatever age range they're at to help them understand it's important. And, you know, I have four kids, and my kids, my kids get it but not because they listen to me, but because we've tried to make it fun. One hundred percent. Doctor, you know, we hear a lot about antibodies the last few days with the president getting an antibody cocktail, they said. I also read. Yeah. Uh, what's that? It sounds like something you go out to a bar to get. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, I've also read where the antibodies they're noticing from early COVID patients disappear quicker than that of other infections. Yeah, so I, I don't know how deep you want. I, I'm happy to go as deep into this as you want, but I'll answer, I'll answer both those questions. So what we have, so, and, I, and I'll take something like influenza because it's easy. It's something we've been dealing with. If influenza was a simple virus and it was the same virus that came back every year, you know, you, you say, okay, you know what, you'll get one vaccine, much like measles, mumps, rubella. You get one vaccine and theoretically that's good for life you're done but what happens with with influenza is, is twofold is it one it you know it it morphs it changes so you might not experience the same virus every year and then the other part of it is the the antibodies don't last long so your body responds when it has a virus or an antigen so you know when you get a vaccine vaccine most vaccines are are a killed protein from the actual from the virus you know, so that you're not infecting yourself with the virus. You take a protein, put it in the body. The body says, I don't like that, and I'm, I want to get rid of that. And the way I get rid of it is I produce my own antibodies. But usually those antibodies are short-lived. And you know, if you look at – so you have to relook at that every year. And what we're seeing with, with COVID is the antibodies with some of the people that were known to test positive very early in, this, in, the, in our COVID journey – Many of the antibodies are now showing that they've they've gone up and now they're coming back down. Um, SARS, which was you know the, which actually uh, had a large you know a large footprint in Asia, some of the people that had antibodies to that actually last a couple of years or a year and a half. They found that the antibodies stayed up. So there's no way of predicting, but you are correct that we've seen some people spike and then the antibodies come back down. And then the only other way to do it is either get infected with, with the virus, you produce antibodies, you, know, you develop a vaccine, which you introduce a portion of the virus and you produce your own antibodies, or in the case of Regeneron or some other company, you manufacture them externally and then you try to give them to, to a patient to boost their immune system and give them the antibodies that either they, they couldn't, couldn't mount on their own or they haven't been exposed to it. And that's really... Those are your options. 
We are talking to Dr. David Pierce, the Chief Medical Officer for Buffalo General Medical Center and the Gates Vascular Institute. And just a programming note, in six minutes, we will be going live to ABC to get comments from the president's doctors. That is at 1130 right here on WBEN. Uh, Doctor, I wanted to ask you about hydroxychloroquine. We heard about this drug for a long time, and there was a lot of controversy surrounding that. What's your opinion on that as a COVID fighter? So, yeah, and again, it's sort of a little bit of it depends on, it depends on age range. Uh, It's certainly in some of the protocols. There's some other things that, you know, and I'll put this into the same type of a category, when this initially came out, uh, some of the initial trials looked at azithromycin and antibiotic and, antibiotic and chloroquine, or, or that class of drug in terms of treatment. Um, as time has gone on, we've seen studies come out that show they're, they're extremely effective, they're maybe not so effective. And what, what's come out of all of that is that it, it hasn't turned out to be a miracle Cure. Let's put it that way. It hasn't it, yeah, hasn't risen to the level of you take this and you can expect your symptoms to resolve in one day. What they have, we found mixed trials, and some of the trials have found that people actually have decreased time of symptoms. They improve faster. You know, they get less sick. So they're in the right in the right patient population that may be effective. The other thing that's come out and has been very uh, you know very well looked very much looked at in the last couple of weeks is vitamin D. Um, and, you know, and so that's another thing. So you, you talk about all of the things that come up during the course of, you know, during the course of our learning experience. Vitamin D has come to the forefront now in terms of putting people on high dose. A lot of the uh, aggregate living facilities like skilled nursing, you know, nursing homes, um, a lot of our, you know, of our thought leaders uh, are putting people on vitamin D as a precautionary measure because it's been shown to be effective in preventing or at least lessening the severity of the illness if they get it. Jack, I've heard the uh, term twindemic. Uh, as we approach uh, the winter months, there's some concern about uh, the pandemic and also the flu season. Do you uh, recommend that people get a flu shot? This is a, This goes back to my comment earlier about masks. 100%. Yes. <laughs> no doubt about that, huh? That that's a really it's a really interesting and I know we we're short on time, but it's a very interesting question. I don't want to miss the importance of it. So influenza, especially now, is our true opportunity from a public health standpoint to have an impact on our community. So if you look at when people typically get flu shots, sometimes they get it early, you know, most people do it out of convenience, you know, sometimes it's late and it, there's no, there's, it's all over the board. This, this is the season we really should get all get flu shots as early as possible. The earlier you get it, there is a chance that you may need a booster later in the season. But if we can get ahead of it as a community and even prevent by 10% the number of people that are going to end up at a hospital with, with influenza, that's 10% more capacity that we have to potentially work with to deal with a potential second wave of COVID. So this is the this is the year of any year. If you've never had a flu shot, get your flu shot. Get it early. Get it now. It it it's it's the only way to prevent what you just mentioned. It, you know, or at least have a reasonable opportunity to prevent a twindemic. Doctor, we're about to hear from the president's doctors at Walter Reed. What would be something you're looking for them to say in that press conference as it pertains to COVID? 
Yeah, I think uh, I, I think there's there's just a lot of I think there's a lot of politics around around this right now. I think what everyone is waiting with you know bated breath to hear is how he how he's progressing from a clinical standpoint. And then you know, and there's a lot of people out there in the community there, obviously criticizing the president for you know minimizing the COVID you know the you know basically the COVID pandemic and, you know, and its seriousness and reopening. So I think, I think everyone is, is really wants to hear how he's doing, you know, what the outcome is going to be and then whether he changes his public policy uh, around COVID because of it. And I think that's a little bit of what I'll be interested to hear. Dr. David Pierce, thank you so much for taking time out of your Sunday and joining us. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, doctor. Thank you, doctor. Dr. David Pierce, uh, the chief medical. Of course, I lost the tag here. I apologize. Chief medical officer for Buffalo General Medical Center and the Gates Vascular Institute. Thank you for uh, joining us. We're about one minute away, Brenda, uh, from hearing again from the same doctors we heard from yesterday on the president's condition. Now, he did uh, tweet out a four-minute video yesterday evening. Um, So I think a lot of people are, they're interested to hear what the doctors are going to say, but I think a lot of people are interested in hearing the president himself speak. I think so, too, Joe. And, uh, you know, no matter your political beliefs, I certainly wish the president, first lady and all others affected by COVID-19 uh, a quick and a thorough uh, recovery. It's got to be a scary time. You're dealing with something that has a lot of unknowns with it. And, uh, Joe, every time you and I talk to a doctor, it just seems to get even more mysterious in some ways. You know, we're learning as we go, but there are no concrete answers. So, uh, let's hope that uh, everybody is on the road to recovery now. Yes, and and, and again, you know, we, we, we can stop making the, the masks political, unless you want to put a political statement on the mask. That's okay. And uh, you see a lot of that now, too. Yeah, I mean, some of the, the later rallies the president had, you saw MAGA on the masks of the people behind him. Uh, again, you know, I've always said I'm more about the economy, Brenda. If we can open more things up, if we, if we put a mask on, then hey, I'll wear a mask anywhere I go. But right now... Uh, but right now, let's go here from ABC. Oh, I guess we're not hearing from ABC. They are not there yet. So Brenda and uh, I, okay. Brenda and I will talk. We'll talk it up until we hear from the president's doctors. Uh, but yeah, you know, like the like the uh, doctor said, for the kids, the, his kids have a ton of masks, and they're all interesting with probably their favorite characters on them. You can make it fun. You know, yesterday I had my Virginia Tech one on, and I think it's good luck, Brenda. They're two and zero with that mask on. <laughs> well, you better keep wearing it then, Joe. Oh, you know it. Uh, Every game. I, I was at a supermarket uh, earlier in the week, and I saw a gentleman wearing a MAGA uh, mask, and then I saw somebody shortly after that wearing a Biden mask. So it's really interesting to see how uh, people are putting their, their feelings out there on these masks. But to me, what makes the most sense is that they are indeed wearing them because uh, I think it's pretty obvious that uh, it's it's the way to safeguard the best that you can, given the situation that we're in. Yeah, and you want to be able to see, you know, loved ones without uh, get, posing as a risk. All you have to do is just both have a mask on, you know. And, and, and yeah, it's an inconvenience, but believe me, for many, getting COVID would be a much bigger inconvenience. 
Well, Joe, you know my line. I'd rather wear a mask than a ventilator, and I really uh, feel very strongly about that. One hundred percent. It will be, you know, it will be interesting. And not, again, I, I, I hope the president's okay. I hope everyone affected by COVID is okay, as the president continuously says, one, uh, one death is one too many uh, from this pandemic. Uh, but maybe after this, we'll see more masks being worn at these rallies if we even get back to rallies. I thought it was uh, very telling that the. Um uh, it was almost like a Petri dish, Joe, when the Amy Coney Barrett uh, introduction was made. I thought it was really irresponsible of a lot of people to not wear masks. Uh, we're talking a lot about masks here, and I'm sure it's very tempting to just take your mask off and sit and talk and you think, well, it can't happen to me. But I think that that uh, really showed a lot of people, you, ca- you can't trifle with this. This is a serious, serious pandemic. So um, let's hope that, you know, everybody from Chris Christie to Father Jenkins from uh, Notre Dame, who also contracted the virus, will recover quickly. Uh, it, uh, you don't want to see more people get sick because they perhaps were careless or not thinking that it was going to happen to them. Do you think there's a little bit of denial in place here, Joe? Denial of how? That people think, well, I don't need to wear a mask. It's not going to happen to me. I'm in good shape. I'm not old. I'm not fat. I'm not this or that. I, I think there's the denial or people just think, hey, you know, it's it's seven million people. There's 300 million people. I'm not going to get it. But, you know, I look at those numbers and this is a question I should have asked the doctor. Seven million, you know, confirmed cases in the United States. But, Brenda, I would go on to say there you could probably double that number. There's probably a lot of people who, you know, don't feel sick or think it's just a cold and don't even get tested. Yeah, they could very well be. Well, I guess we will uh, call an audible, right? We'll uh, catch up with ABC in a little bit. I think we're going to uh, go to a break here. And when we come back, either have the president's doctors or Niagara Falls Superintendent Mark Laurie. So, hey, you'll just have to wait and see here on WBEN. Welcome back to Tune In is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Had to call an audible here as we wait for the president's doctors. We are joined by Niagara Falls Superintendent Mark Laurie. Mark, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Now, uh, Niagara Falls in the school, in the school, in the news this week, as we uh, heard about Maple Elementary. Can you give us an update on that situation? Sure. We think right now we have all of our test results back from last week around Maple. And uh, we turned up with uh, 10 positive cases associated with the Maple Avenue school area. Uh, Three of them are teachers. uh, Two of them are parents. Uh, and five of uh, our students. So uh, the testing proved to be very successful. The decision to close the building for an undetermined amount of time was the right call. And now we are also authorizing more testing starting tomorrow outside of Maple Avenue so that we can really, you know, get assurances that everything has been taken care of. 
Mark, now I understand that there is some testing right at Niagara Falls Memorial Medical Center, right? Have they been a good partner for the school district? Yeah, well, Niagara Falls Memorial Medical Center has been an outstanding partner. As a matter of fact, uh, I called them yesterday to say, you know, I think it would be a good idea if we could test again. And their response was, we'll be there. How about Monday? And they're setting up a four-hour testing window from noon until 4 p.m. tomorrow outside in the parking lot. Uh, We had a tent out there. We had 225 members of the Maple community take that testing last week. Um, and we're, we're pleased that we're going to be able to do it again. Tomorrow's test will be a saliva-based test, and the results will be back on Friday. So uh, Memorial has been uh, stepping up continuously to provide a support, direct communication with Dr. Bajra and Joe Ruffalo from the Medical Center to give me updates so that I could update our very supportive Board of Education and our community, uh, which I will be doing at around 1 o'clock today uh, with, a, with an all-call and a um, YouTube video, which has been our practice since the beginning of COVID. You know, I remember the last time you were on our show, Mark, you talked about uh, reevaluating the hybrid model every three weeks or so. Now that you were yeah. uh, a, li- a little bit into the school year, it feels like it's been a long time, I imagine, for you, but it's really only been about a month. How has that evaluation been going for you? Well, I still maintain that it was the right decision to use the hybrid method to come back. And uh, we have evaluated it. And interestingly, tomorrow we're bringing back more of our special education students and our English as a new language group of students. Uh, more of them will start coming to school four days a week. Of course, this won't occur at Maple. Obviously, we'll be shut down in totality. But at the other 10 locations, we through our evaluation in a two-week kind of a look we're bringing back more special education students and more english as new language students why those groups uh, they're they're part of our most vulnerable population they're the ones that need to be in the school the most they're the one that we you know we worry about regression and learning the most along with our primary students uh, I, i'm in an evaluation of the hybrid model we're really starting to hit our stride now with our remote learning last week was our best week of remote learning had a chance. I had a chance to visit a couple of remote learning classrooms online, was very pleased with the participation from parents and the work provided from students. So uh, the plan continues to operate the way it was designed. We're proud of it. We'll keep reevaluating and we'll pivot backwards as we did in the case of Maple Avenue. If we have positive tests and Maple Avenue, just, uh, just to, just to say again, Maple Avenue, we should know these next batch of tests by Friday, correct? That's correct. Anybody who is tested tomorrow, the return time is Friday. So it's about a, uh, a four-day turnaround now. These, again, are saliva-based tests. Uh, these aren't the, the um, nasal swabs that were done last Tuesday. So that will give us more indication after this next round of testing when we can return Maple Avenue to the hybrid model, which is our goal. Our goal is not to keep students out for the year. Our goal is to return them to the hybrid. It's working very well, as I said. And uh, we're also waiting test results back, which we believe will come tomorrow uh, in the Packard Court area. That's not necessarily Maple Avenue, but it is some of our other schools. So in a city like Niagara Falls, we've got testing up and running almost every day. Even this morning, Sholkoff Health Center 
connected with the hospital was offering testing. Mark, Mark, we're going to have to we're going to have to end it right there. Thank you so much for joining us. Now to the president's doctors here on WBEN. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.